My name is Fitz, and I'm the CEO of the Fitz Group. I'm glad you've chosen to listen to this week's excerpt from our weekly builder's call. This call is designed to help you move beyond personal sales and into building a business in the insurance industry. On one end of the income spectrum, we've helped a ton of agents make an additional $50,000 a year in override income on top of their sales income. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've helped a number of leaders make in excess of $1 million annually through the development of the override income into a business. And now, on to today's lesson. Today's training. Man, I'm excited about today's training. Um, so much good stuff happening right now uh, all over the place. Uh, I mean, you guys know and you, you pushed hard. We hit, we by we, the Fitz Group, us, we hit senior board member and uh, they've contacted me and got my ring size and uh, they didn't have, funny enough for board member, they didn't have a woman's Woo! ring. Yeah, they didn't have a woman's ring. Woo! So they're, um, yep. So they didn't have a woman's ring made. So that Heather is breaking the mold there. They're having to create one just for her. Uh, I don't know why they didn't have a senior board member ring, a women's ring. That's right. Yeah. So uh, breaking through to the other side, excited about that. Um, a lot of good stuff happening right now. And uh, what I'm talking a lot about to other people is, uh, to you guys in coaching conversations, is about building and hiring. Um, and uh, how, how recruiting goes, so goes production. The line graphs for recruiting uh, always predict the line graphs for production. It's, uh, it's crazy how it works out. Um, it, it's crazy how it just one predicts the other, uh, but it does. Uh, well, today I'm not specifically talking about hiring or recruiting. Um, I, I'm, I'm talking instead today about momentum, getting it and keeping it. And if you've been with the Fitz Group for eight months. <laughs> if you've been on this, it's been eight months since I've talked about this. Can you believe it? This is one of my favorite topics to talk about uh, is momentum and, and the flywheel and the doom loop. Uh, I love talking about this. This is uh, one of these major changes for me that shifted uh, my mindset um, in, uh, in building and, and not just building the agency as far as hiring agents, but in building my staff and building my business, the infrastructure uh, was this book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, matter of fact, for my 40th birthday, Heather uh, uh, sent off a, a letter, uh, an email to Jim Collins. It got through, and and she got she got me a book signed by him uh, for as a as a 40th birthday present a, a couple of years ago. Now, uh, this book has been tremendously impactful in my life, and the teaching I'm I'm doing today comes from this. I didn't originate these ideas, but the commentary is mine. <laughs> so I encourage you to pick up this book if you haven't. If you haven't read it, this is one of these books I like to read uh, once a year. Um, there, are, there have been years for sure that I've, I've not read it, but uh, I do try to read it once a year. Jim Collins wrote a book called Built to Last. You see it there on the cover uh, of this screenshot. It says Jim Collins, co-author of the best-selling Built to Last. And that original book was, about, was talking about how uh, companies, how they did it, how they built their company to last. Um, and uh, it was interesting. And in that book, I remember Built to Last, that was the first time I ever heard the quote that if you took uh, Walmart's theft every year and formed a, a, a company with it uh, based on that theft, you know, not, not a company that steals, but if you looked at the, the, the sheer volume of theft that was going on and, and from a, a, a number standpoint created a business out of that, it would be a Fortune 500 company. I thought, holy cow, how big is Walmart that their theft is a Fortune 500 company? Insane. Um, and it was just a phenomenal book. I, I encourage you to read the Built to Last book. Uh, and then, uh, but then all of his people came to Jim and said, well, you wrote Built to Last, but how'd they, 
how they get there, like how they get to a place where they could last. Um, and so he came out with the book, Good to Great. And what Jim Collins did, it's, it's sort of a prequel. You read Good to Great, and then you read Built to Last. And, and then after that, you read the book, How the Mighty Fall, uh, <laughs> which is, of course, uh, looking at the other side of that cycle. Uh, but Jim Collins, uh, when he wrote this book and, and when he gathered the data, statistician, uh, I believe he was a professor at Stanford uh, and had a whole group of graduate students uh, that were gathering data for him and, uh, and, and, and um, anyway, gathering data, statistician, looking at the stats. And what Jim did, he and his team put together some, um, uh, some markers that said, okay, if a company does this, they are one of these good to great companies. And, and, and ultimately, these good to great companies had to be outperforming uh, everybody else in their, um, in their marketplace uh, significantly. They had to outperform the stock market. They had to outperform their competitors uh, tremendously. He, he took out, uh, during this data sample, he took out the anomalies like uh, the dot-com booms. Uh, when that was happening, he kind of took that out because at the time, it was more of an anomaly. It wasn't necessarily, uh, there wasn't a track record of it lasting. Of course, now dot-com has been around for a while. But um, he took that out. Anyway, he came up with 11 companies. And from these 11 companies, what he did was he compared all these different 11 companies and really tried to find the trends, what they had in common. Uh, kind of like, you know, if you wanted to look at, you know, a, a thousand marriages and what these thousand marriages that have been married for 30 years and would consider themselves to be happy, there's surveys to do this. You know, what are the common things that those marriages all have in common? Well, same thing with these companies. And uh, it was really pretty interesting uh, what the, the different things he discovered. Wrote a book about it. If you're not a numbers person, read the book anyway. Uh, he's a statistician, so of course he loves the numbers and the graphs. First time I read through it, I was lost because I was trying to study the numbers. Uh, if you're not a numbers person, just skip over the numbers for now. Read the content. It's worth it. Uh, you'll get something from it, I, I guarantee you. But the more you read through it, the more the numbers will start, you'll start understanding them. And they actually support what he's saying. But if you're not a numbers person, just trust that the numbers do support what he's saying. Some of the things he came up with, you know, a lot of people believe that, uh, that uh, good to great companies need to have a charismatic leader. I've heard some of you in conversations like, Fitz, I'm just not charismatic. And so I don't know if I can, if I can inspire people to follow me. Well, here's the thing. Uh, these good to great companies, that's not something they had in common. They didn't necessarily have charismatic leadership. Uh, what they did have in their leadership was great communicators. That was a common theme. Uh, charismatic leaders, not a common theme. Some of them had charismatic leaders. Some of them were not charismatic, and yet people followed them. Uh, so charisma in and of itself is not something necessarily that you need in order to have people follow you, in order to lead people, right? Uh, I thought that was interesting when I read that. Um, something else, because I, I, I feel like I have a little bit of charisma, but I'm not near as charismatic as a lot of people out there. And so um, that was inspiring to me. I didn't necessarily need to be uh, that charismatic leader in order to get a whole bunch of people to follow. Uh, something else I learned from this book was um, it, it's my staffing philosophy that I have. You bring people on staff, um, and uh, you, it, it, the way he said it was you get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus, and then the people that you have on the bus, which hopefully are the right people, you make sure they're in the right seat. Uh, and on my staff currently, nobody here has worked for me less than 10 years. They've all been here at least 10 years. Uh, the baby on staff has been here 10 years. And I, I attribute a lot of that to, um, or at least some of it to, we bring people on board with that understanding that you're coming on board to do this, but there's a real possibility. We're a small business. There's a real possibility that you may be doing this instead or something else. And I think everybody here uh, on the Fitz Group staff has worked in different positions 
uh, on staff. And, and ultimately what I'm looking for uh, when I get the right people on the bus is I want to make sure they want to be on the bus every day. They want to show up to work and they want to work here. Uh, that it's not a drudgery to go into work every day, but in fact, they like it. Uh, I, that's, that was, I got that from, from Jim Collins and from, from Good to Great. There's so much more I could go through. And, and today's teaching is not a book report on Good to Great, but you can probably tell. And, and if you hang around for another six months, eight months, you'll hear me teach this again, because this is so important. This book, uh, it's been so important to me. And I know if you read it, it'll, it'll matter to you as well. One of the things that Jim Collins noticed was um, these good to great companies had what he labeled as a hedgehog concept, which is simplicity within three circles. So let's, let's kind of look at this real quick. He said the key point was to go from good to great, as he noticed this, to go from good to great requires a deep understanding of three intersecting circles into a simple crystalline concept, which Jim Collins labeled the hedgehog concept. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll go through this, but don't... Well, I, We'll go through it. <laughs> I'll explain. The first circle. So you're, you're looking for the simplicity within these three circles. The first circle is what are you deeply passionate about? What are you deeply passionate about? Uh, that's, a, that's a real question to answer. Now, um, I, I will say this. As we get into the hedgehog concept, start talking about flywheel doom loop stuff. I, I want to I ease your mind on some things. You don't have to have all the answers. Uh, Jim Collins was studying Fortune 500 companies uh, whose companies were zeroed in and focused in and whatever. He's, he's looking at, at, at top companies. I, in turn, I, I, I read this hedgehog concept. And I read this flywheel doom loop and I've studied it. And, and for me, I tried to apply it personally. I'm not a Fortune 500 company. Would love to be, sure but I'm not, I'm a small business, like 75% of the businesses in America right now, 80% of the businesses, I'm a small business owner. And so I tried to apply these to me personally, not necessarily to my business. I know that if I can figure me out, it will better my business, right? So what are you deeply passionate about? That's a good thing for you to answer for yourself. Uh, it's a homework assignment today, tonight, don't do it today, make phone calls today. <laughs> but tonight, before you go to bed, just kind of answer some of these things. I'm, I'm deeply passionate about my wife, if you're around me for two seconds with my wife around, it was yesterday. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. I mean, yesterday morning, you know, Heather had the kids just kind of going through the things they love about me, which was awesome. And it was honoring. Um, I'm a words of affirmation guy. So it definitely filled my love tank. Uh, but uh, one of the things she said uh, to the kids was, you know, you, you probably noticed your daddy loves me well. Um, and, and, and he's, and by doing that, I'm teaching my kids, I'm teaching my sons how to be husbands, right? And I'm teaching uh, my daughter, uh, the, <laughs> the example of the husband she needs. And if, if he ain't up to my standards, she needs to, you know, dump the guy. So like, it's, it's very clear with my kids. They, they can see I'm deeply passionate about their mother. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about my kids and, and their well-being and, and not just their well-being present, but their well-being in the future, where they're heading. I, I know that I'm not trying to raise great kids. I'm trying to raise good kids who become great adults. Um, and I, I stole that from Andy Andrews. That's, but that's a mission of mine. That's something I'm deeply passionate about. Um, what else am I passionate about? I, I am deeply passionate about helping other people make money. I really get excited about it. Uh, I've helped people make money that aren't in my business at all. Uh, <laughs> in co coaching conversations, they come to me. I don't know why, but they do. And I, I, love, I love helping people with that. Um, I, I, I say it routinely. I don't lay awake at night dreaming of actuarial tables. I don't wonder how they came up with a rate for a 65-year-old male non-smoker for a $100,000 term. I just don't care. Tell me the price, we'll go sell it. 
It's not to say I don't like life insurance. I love it. I've got lots of it. You know, my dad died. And didn't, I didn't have, he didn't have any life insurance on him. I've delivered four death claims where I sat in a home and, and, and brought a $250,000 check to replace the husband that's no longer there. Like I, I've, I've done all of that. But I'm not deeply passionate about life insurance. I just am not. But I wake up in the morning and all I have to do is think about helping somebody and I get excited. I, I talk about it in my sleep. I, I lay awake at night thinking about how, to, how can I help this person get to that next place. I'm deeply passionate about that. I dig it. Okay, so your answers may not match mine. That's fine. Uh, and your answers may not be very specific yet. Right now, you're deeply passionate about paying your bills. That's fine. It doesn't have to be some sort of deep, I've really searched myself and discovered this. It can be something super shallow right now. Uh, over time, it will get deeper. Uh, but right now, it can be, yeah, I'm deeply passionate about being awake. Okay, that's awesome. Like you're awake. That's fired up. Let's roll. Okay, whatever your answer is, it is. There's no wrong answer here. Next circle, what drives your economic engine? Well, what drives my economic engine? How do I make money? I make money by selling insurance and teaching other people how to sell insurance. Good news for me, I'm passionate about helping people make money and I have a vehicle to help them make money. That's, that's awesome. Uh, but you understand, like I'm deeply passionate about helping people make money. That's not exclusive to making money in the insurance industry in the Fitz Group umbrella. It's not exclusive to that. What drives my economic engine is not exclusive, right? It doesn't have to be exclusive to selling insurance. Could be anything, right? I, 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 could, I could do a yard sale. That could drive my economic engine. <laughs> it, that you don't have to have, all three of these circles are gonna have some overlap, but they're, they're also gonna have some areas that don't overlap, and that's fine. Now, the final question is what you can be the best in the world at. When I first read this, I was like, man, I mean, these... These, these Fortune 500 companies really believe they could be the best in the world at providing this good or service. And, um, and that's, that's exciting. Um, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I start thinking about, I'm such a literal person. For those who don't know me well, I, I am pretty literal. I really have to work hard to read between lines. I just, I trust the words that are on the page, you know? And uh, when I think of being the best in the world at something, I think of being one out of 7 billion. You know, how are you going to be number one out of 7 billion people in the world? It's really unlikely that you're going to be number one at anything in the world, right? Even, even Tiger Woods, who was number one in golf, uh, didn't stay there. I mean, you know, so like, ah, I just, I really struggled with that for a while until I thought, you know, I am one in 7 billion. I literally could be the best in the world at being me. Initially, that was my answer, but then, but then I dug deeper and I said, what does that mean, being the best in the world, being me? Like, that's a cop-out. There's only one of me, so I can be the best in the world at being me, and no, that's, that's too weak, man. That's not deep enough. You got to dig a little deeper, and I thought, you know what? If I really am committed to being the best in the world at being me, first of all, I am me and nobody else is, so I won that race hands down. Nobody even came close. I'm the only me, but... I want to be the version of me that I'm supposed to be, not the version of me that I am. Like I want to be the best version of me. And so that takes work. And what I can, what you can be the best in the world, you can be the best in the world at being you. You could also be in the best, be the best in the world at getting referrals. A couple of years ago, I said, I'm going to become the referral king. I'm going to be the number one at getting referrals. And I got really good at getting referrals, especially on the recruiting side, right? I got really good at that. And, and I still am. Uh, maybe you say that. Maybe you're going to be the best in the world at, at getting the ERS. Maybe you're going to be the best in the world at making dials, the number of dials you make or how many appointments you book. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you could say you're going to be the best in the world at. I've chosen to be the best in the world at developing myself. 
uh, and, and uncovering who I am, uncovering who I'm not, and really trying to be who I'm supposed to be. So when you take those three circles and overlap them, there is, uh, there's some overlap and there's some, some that's not overlap. That overlap is what Jim Collins labeled the hedgehog concept. The hedgehog concept. So um, you can get super deep with this. I've seen people spend way too much try time trying to figure out their hedgehog concept. I need, I need to know my hedgehog concept. No, you, you really do need to, to invest time in self-discovery. You really do need to find out who you are, who you're not. You, you really do need to know your strengths and your weaknesses and, and really try to, try to improve your strengths and, and zero in on that. Like you really do need to know all that. But the hedgehog concept to me, we're not Fortune 500 companies. So let's, let's, let's personalize this, or you could even say let's dumb it down a bit. Jim Collins didn't write a book on us going good to great. So what is our hedgehog concept? The hedgehog concept is what you're supposed to be doing right now. Okay, that's how I define it. This is my commentary. This is not Jim Collins. I'm saying my hedgehog concept is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Uh, for years and years and years, I've heard the definition of a leader as a leader does is someone who does what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it without being told to do it. That's what I would say is a hedgehog concept. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Hedgehog concept. Okay. Without someone telling you to do it, you're just doing it. That's your hedgehog concept. So um, maybe your hedgehog concept is making dials and booking appointments. Maybe your hedgehog concept is running ads and doing interviews. Maybe, maybe right now in building this business, your hedgehog concept is building this business. Well, then there's two paths in building the business. There's making your dials and making sure you got the cash flow on the sales side, but then also hiring and training other agents. So maybe, maybe your hedgehog concept is this business. And inside of that, there's two things that you're supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> okay. That's, that's kind of where I'm going with it. So let's look at the flywheel. This is a flywheel, this big circular thing. Uh, if you open up the, uh, the hood to your car, I'm not a car guy. And as a matter of fact, when I start talking about car stuff, car guys start laughing and that's okay. Uh, I, I, I get in my car and I turn it on and it runs. Uh, if it makes an odd noise, I don't know what that is. And I take it to somebody who can tell me. Uh, but I do know that when I open, I, I have changed my alternator once. <laughs> I do know how to change my oil in a tire. Uh, okay, so, but <laughs> when you open up your hood and you look in your hood for these circular things, those are flywheels. It looks like this. Uh, they're much smaller than this. Uh, the, uh, this. This flywheel, according to Google, when I got this picture years ago, uh, this, this flywheel uh, was originally found, uh, this, this picture was, in a, I think, in a Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh steel mill. Uh, this, this flywheel ultimately ran the whole mill. Uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know, you see the guy right there, maybe he's, six feet tall. Uh, you can, you can see the wheel goes into the ground a little bit there. Maybe this, uh, maybe this wheel is, I don't know, 20 feet in diameter. Uh, maybe it's, I think it was 50 tons, something crazy like that is how much it weighed. Uh, that's a flywheel. Now the thing about a flywheel is, uh, it's really hard to, to move. Uh, but once you get it moving, physics kicks in and the, the, the speed and the, the mass, uh, ends up creating momentum. Okay. Uh, I'm not a, uh, a, a, a physics guy. Um, <laughs> so I, if you are, if you're a super science nerd and I come from a long line of nerds, so that's a loving in, a term of endearment for me. Uh, but if you are uh, some sort of science nerd and, and I start uh, ruining these formulas for you, I apologize. But, but here's a real simple physics formula to write down. Mass 
times velocity equals momentum. Mass times velocity equals momentum. That's a real physics momentum formula right there. Now you can feel smarter already. Mass times velocity equals momentum. Well, we're not in physics and we're trying to apply this to our lives. Uh, and so I'm going to, this is where I start ruining the terms and, and actual, uh, uh, they're not physicians, <laughs> physics people, uh, <laughs> physicists, physicists. That's what it's called. Got it. So <laughs> actual physics people uh, are going to cringe when I start labeling this. But, but I look at mass as, as uh, for our terms, mass would be uh, weight, right? Or mass could be a, a bunch of people, a, a whole bunch of people, right? A whole bunch of activity, um, a whole bunch of dials, a whole bunch of interviews, mass. It's mass, right? Mass times velocity. Velocity is how fast something is moving. Well, what I've seen is, and I know this isn't accurate when it comes down to physics, but I see that you can have a negative velocity, right? Like I, I think that, that you can go, you can move forwards, which I would consider to be positive speed, and you can move backwards, which I know that when you move backwards, your speedometer can still go up and say you're going like 10 miles an hour in reverse. But to me, that's a negative 10 miles an hour because you're going backwards, man. So I think, I think mass is not going to have a negative number, but velocity could have a negative number, which, which if you go back in your, in your mind to elementary school or middle school math, if you have a positive times a positive, it equals a positive. But if you have a positive times a negative, it ends up being a negative. So if you have positive mass and negative velocity, so you're walking backwards, you could end up having negative momentum. You could have positive or negative momentum in this business. I see it every day. <laughs> every day I, I, I get momentum and I lose it, <laughs> right? Uh, I, know, I know this when I, uh, in, in, in exercising and in maintaining my weight and, and keeping my health in order, I have positive and negative momentum in that all the time. You can probably think of some examples for yourself, but it, it comes and goes, right? So mass times velocity equals momentum. With that in mind, uh, a lot of people come up to me at conferences and they ask me, what's the one thing you did, Fitz? Uh, to get where you are. And I go, man, are you kidding? Like since the, since, since I met Andy Albright, I've made nearly $20 million. You think there was one thing I did to make that? Like, no, you know, like that's no, that, there's just not, not just one thing. I mean, and, and here's where the, the, you can look at this, this flywheel as a metaphor for your business, right? There's just that one guy right there. That's you right there, you know, and, and, and he clearly looks like a man. So if you're not a man, don't be offended. Maybe he's got his hair tucked up in there. Maybe it's a woman, right? It's okay. So, uh, but this person here, do you think that person can push that flywheel by themselves? No, can't push that flywheel by themselves. How many people is it going to take to get that flywheel moving? Have no idea, but it's going to take all of them, right? So if it, if it takes one guy and he gets his buddy and a buddy and a buddy, and a buddy now there's a thousand people and the wheel starts moving. Was it the thousandth person that made that wheel move? Was it the first person that made that wheel move? Was it number 457 that made that wheel move? Or was it all of them that made that wheel move? It took all of them. It wasn't just one. It was a thousand. I say it all the time. A million things you got to do to make a million dollars. That, that's true. And if you skip one of those, you're not going to make it. So it's, it's, it's the same with this flywheel. You have to get the push on that. You have to make, make it move. Now, where flywheels make so much sense is when physics kick in. You get that flywheel moving, moving, and suddenly physics takes over. 
and it's awesome. The weight of that wheel will, will circle it back around. The weight of the wheel will make it come back around. The, and so as you start picking up momentum, as the wheel starts moving faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, and faster, and faster do you have a choice? Again, Thinking about this as a metaphor, none of us are working in a, in a Pittsburgh steel mill. So as a metaphor, this flywheel, as we get it moving, we have a choice. We can push harder because, frankly, it's easier. The, the, it, the, it, the wheel is moving on its own now. So if we can push harder, we can make it move even faster. Okay? On the other hand, we could push the same amount which because of physics is still going to make the wheel move faster. We could push a little less, which again, because of physics, we're not going to notice an immediate reduction in speed of this wheel, but it eventually start coming back down to the uh, uh, effort, the, the, the energy that we're applying to it. Or what we could do is we could stop the wheel. Yeah. Or, what we could do is we could jump on the other side of the wheel and start pushing it the other way. So we don't just stop it, but we in fact start going backwards with progress. It's a, it's a fa fascinating thing. And we all do all of those choices every week. <laughs> and I'm teaching this today in hopes that you'll stop it <laughs> or I'll bury you alive in a box. Going back to that Bob Newhart video. I'm saying this to myself as much as to anybody. So let's, let's run through the flywheel effect. This is what Jim Collins called it. I call it positive momentum. Let's, how do you build positive momentum? Well, you need to take steps forward consistent with what you're supposed to be doing. Steps forward consistent with what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be making dials. So if you're shuffling your leads, that's not a step forward consistent with what you're supposed to be doing. If you're oh my gosh, I'm supposed to make dials, but man, I just got to take this trash out. That's not a step forward consistent with a hedgehog concept. That's not going to produce positive momentum that you're looking to produce. You got to take steps forward consistent with a hedgehog concept. Something as simple as sitting down and making phone calls or sitting down and texting a potential recruit. You know, somebody's potentially going to come on board. Like you need to do something, step a step forward consistent with the hedgehog concept. Well, Fitz, I alphabetized my leads and organized them geographically. Yeah, no, that's not actually going to get the momentum going. The momentum is only going to get going when you start doing, not organizing, but you pick up the phone and you start dialing and you start talking to people. That's the stuff you got to do that's going to move the, the flywheel forward. Well, that leads to an accumulation of visible results. We talk about doing tick marks and making haystacks and i got mine here on my desk it's it's you know you do one two three four and then a slash across so it makes them easy to count accumulation of visible results you're making dials that's why we say do the tick marks because that is an accumulation of visible tick marks that's a vis visible accumulation right there of results that you're real time getting and so your dials start adding up your appointments that you're booking start adding up. Your, 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 your appointments that sit start adding up. The interviews that you book start adding up. The, the sit, the fast tracks. The, 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 we go through these numbers every week on the builder's call, but the contracts, the first apps, all these numbers start adding up. It's an accumulation of visible results. And, and ultimately, that accumulation of visible results in our business leads to an accumulation of visible results in your bank account. And that's, I mean, listen, I know that 
businesses have a lot of different mission statements, but if a business is not in business by making money, they're not in business. So all the other stuff is secondary. Number one rule of business is stay in business. You need accumulation of visible results to stay in business. You gotta have cash flow coming in. And it starts with the tick marks on the dials and the end of that cycle is money coming into your account. The accumulation of visible results. Now what happens from that is people get lined up, energized by the results. People get lined up, energized by the results. The example I use all the time in this is uh, men who come to me, men, not women. This is a, a gender specific term here, men. Men who come to me and say, how do I get my wife to be supportive? They really say, how do I get my wife to do my paperwork? How can I get my wife to scrub my apps? How can I get my wife to check my pending? How can I get my wife to be my secretary? And I clarify that, that that's what they're asking. And then I tell them, I have no idea. This October, I'll be married 21 years to my wife. Never once have I been able to figure out how to make her my secretary. It didn't work. Now, what Heather always did for me, even before she, she worked with me, when she was working her corporate job, she was supportive of me. And I love that. I, I love that she supported me. And, and I have friends that are supportive of me. I love that. I, I don't know that my business would be where it is today if I did not have people that were supportive not necessarily working for me or in my business, but supportive of me, right? Sometimes those friends are in the business. Sometimes they're out of the business. Sometimes you're married to them. Sometimes you're not married. Like, but, but that support is awesome. But I'll tell you, where Heather got energized by this business is on our second awards trip. First awards trip, went to Hawaii, earned it on my own. She didn't, she didn't help, right? Second trip, earned Bermuda on my own. She didn't help. I, I mean, she was supportive, but she wasn't doing insurance work, right? But on that second awards trip, she started going, hey, maybe there's something to this. And she started seeing all the other couples that were on the trip. And she said, you know what? I think if I quit my job, we could smoke these fools. She didn't say it just like that, but it was the idea. <laughs> if you don't know Heather, you, you should know she's super competitive. Play some cards with her. You'll see. She'll cut your throat. Like She's serious about it. Well, <laughs> she got energized by the results that I was doing. So my response to men, again, that is gender specific. Men who come to me saying, I want my wife to be my secretary. I'm going to say, you know what you need to do? You need to go out there and make some money. You need to go out there and get some visible results. And I promise you, everyone in your world around you will get excited about you. Proverbs says that uh, a poor man doesn't have friends, but a rich man has no shortage of friends. True story. The more money you make, the, the more visible results you've got out there, the more people are going to come around because they want some of that. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. So people are going to get energized by your results. Go get those results yourself. That's going to lead to the flywheel building momentum. And we circle back around. Momentum goes up with this. Momentum goes up with this. Again, take steps forward. You made dials. You did the tick marks. You're getting excited by the tick marks. Hey, I'm doing the work here. That's awesome. The flywheel builds momentum. Those tick marks lead to appointments, which lead to sales which lead to commissions. Again, all accumulation of visible results and people start getting energized. You're getting energized by it. You're getting energized by it. The, the people immediately in your life, your immediate influence there, those people get energized by it. Next thing you know, you're going to start having agents getting energized by it. People who are looking at coming on board with you, maybe they're warm market, maybe they're off a of Craigslist ad, but now they're getting excited about coming on board with you because you've got an accumulation of visible results. We say it oftentimes as the cash flow glow. You start making money, people know it. They know it. They can see it. They smell it. They know that you're making money. They want to be around it. That's people getting energized, lined up by your results. Some people, to explode their business right now, just need to be serious 
about running personal production. And they just need to be serious about recruiting. Those two things are going to draw people in better than any ad you could write, better than any commercial that could be had. I mean, you going out there and getting your own visible results, people are going to be energized by that. And we're in a people business. So if we can energize people, our flywheel is going to build up positive momentum. The doom loop. Boom, 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 boom. Well, unfortunately, there is a negative momentum as well. The doom loop effect. You face this every day. Disappointing results. It starts with disappointing results. Disappointing results. I, 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 listen, I'm not telling on anybody, but I talk to you guys all the time. Coaching conversations I have. Everybody's like, I'm just disappointed with with number of appointments I had booked this week. Uh, I, I had 20 appointments booked and I wrote one application. I only did $600 in premium this week. Oh my gosh, I, I had 15 interviews and nobody showed. That, that, that I was actually a direct quote from me. So <laughs> we all get disappointing results. Everybody, everybody's going to get disappointing results in this world, in this life, and in our business. It is what it is. The magic is how you respond to it. To create negative momentum, you need to react without understanding. <laughs> this is what takes you into a downward spiral. It's when you respond without understanding what's actually wrong. Um, here's what that looks like. Uh, uh, in 2012, uh, I hired uh, nine in, uh, recruiters and two initial dollars to call monster resumes all day, uh, and, and it was insane. Um, I, I did that for two years, nearly drove my business and myself bankrupt in that process uh, until I finally gave up on that. That was me reacting without understanding. If you want individual conversation about what worked and what didn't, I can I learn some lessons from that for sure. But if you're getting disappointing results in recruiting, you need to talk to somebody about it. And if you're listening to my voice, I hope you talk to me about it. Uh, just because in this world that you're probably listening to right now, I've got the most experience with it and I can help you. If you're getting disappointing results, let's talk about it. You may actually not be getting disappointing results. It may just be not as good as you're looking for, but for the work you're doing, you're getting great results. Maybe you just need more activity. But the key is here, like react with understanding. Maybe you've got a ton of activity. You're not getting any, any, anything accomplished. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's fix that. Whether it's personal sales or whether it's personal recruiting, depth recruiting, whatever it may be in your business, if you're getting disappointing results, let's fix it with, with understanding. With understanding. Okay. But when you re respond without understanding, that leads to new direction, new program, new leader, new event, new fad, or new acquisition. Uh, in Fortune 500 companies, they get disappointing results. They go buy another company. They're also buying that company's problems. Uh, in, in, uh, in college coaching, I see this like crazy. Uh, I'm a Tar Heel. I love my, love my Tar Heel basketball. Uh, and every year, if we lose to Duke, the coach is potentially going to be fired, though he's a Hall of Fame coach and, 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 and has uh, as many – as many national championships right now as anybody in the, in the country active. So, but, but, oh, we lost to Duke, so we need to fire that guy and find somebody else. It, it's commonplace. It happens all the time. We're, our growth isn't happening the way we want it to happen, so we're going to change the promotion guidelines. Or, or we're going to change this. We're going to change that, right? You know, the, the insurance companies say, we're not making the sales we want to make, so we're going to get rid of this product and get another product. We, we see it in our world all the time. In the industry, outside of the industry, it happens all the time. 
this, this new direction, new program, new leader event, fatter acquisition, it comes from responding without understanding. And of course, that's going to lead to no buildup. It's going to lead to uh, no accumulated, accumulated momentum. And that's going to, that's going to just generate more disappointing results, which creates that downward spiral of momentum. Disappointing results. Then now you react again without understanding. Maybe you hear a conference call and you're like, oh, I just need to wholesale change my phone script to this thing instead. Or I need to, you know what? I need to quit taking this type of lead and only take this type of lead. Or you know what? I need to run this ad on this, on this website instead of this ad on this other website. If you're reacting without fully understanding what you're reacting to, you're just going to stay in that loop. You're just going to get more disappointing results. And right now, you can't afford disappointing results to stay in your world. You need to get rid of those disappointing results. You only can do that by reacting with understanding. So every day, you're going to fall into this doom loop. You have a choice of whether you stay there. And, and what I'm trying to do for me and my family is build positive momentum in all areas of our life. And so when we have those disappointing results, we have to sit down and th think about it and talk about it and counsel about it and figure out where we're off and fix it so that we don't stay there but in the, in the negative momentum, but in fact, go back to the positive momentum. All day today, I'm going to be in and out of the doom loop and the flywheel. I am just trying to be in the flywheel more than I'm in the doom loop. <laughs> I want to be in the positive momentum more than I'm in the negative. And my net, hopefully, is positive momentum. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.